So what is grief? How do you explain it? Grief is the natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. Often that pain can be just overwhelming. Our next podcast is about that. It's about love. It's about loss. It's about learning to live again. That's up next on Recovery Talks, the podcast. Direct from Akron, Ohio, the epicenter of modern recovery. This is Recovery Talks, the podcast. From those in recovery to those working in recovery, meet those who are shining the light on Recovery Talks right now. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Recovery Talks, the podcast. Uh, and before we get started, I'd just like to remind everyone that you can find this podcast and all the other podcasts that we've done, even since the beginning uh, last summer, which would have been right and smack in the middle of COVID 2020, on recoverytalks.org. And uh, they're all up there. So today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to start into a series of uh, hopefully maybe a few different podcasts about grief. Now, you, if you're familiar with this podcast, you know that we've talked about recovery a lot. You talked about, you know, what it's like being sober, how you got sober. We're talking about addictions of any kind, you know, whether it's alcohol, uh, drugs, food. Uh, we also talk about trauma and we talk about physical disabilities. We talk about mental health. And one of the key components that I've been going through that I've been curious about exploring is the concept of grief and managing grief. So my guest today is Terry Weaver. And Terry is a dear friend of mine. She's a teacher. And I met her because I'm a teacher. And uh, we explore the art of and sometimes the frustrating art of learning and playing the guitar together. And beyond that, we're just really good friends. But she agreed to be on this podcast for one reason, and that is because she suffered a traumatic grief event in her life. And she is very open about talking about it. And so I, I just like to have all our listeners and myself welcome, Terry, welcome to the Recovery Talks, the podcast. All right. Thank you. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for being here. So how did we meet? I'm trying to think. So I was teaching at a place, at a store, and um, your fantastic Jeff Weaver, uh, who I love and miss, I just saw a picture of him today, uh, came in and decided he's going to take some lessons. And then you got involved, and you guys were going to do couples lessons. And you were the very first time I'd ever taught a couple how to play guitar. And it was so fun. It was just the funnest thing ever because watching you guys, you know, enjoy each other. And, you know, we progressed along that continuum and we've shared a lot of things together on professional and personal reasons. So that's why I wanted you to be here as a guest on this show. It's just so significant, important to me how open you have been about um, talking about your grief experience. So tell me a little bit about how you and Jeff uh, got to the point where you guys met. Oh, wow, Mark. It was, it was absolutely magical. We had both gone through very rough divorces. Basically, we had both moved to separately, of course, to the, the poorer side of town uh, after our divorces had just kind of wiped us both out. And I was just walking my dog one day and I saw a guy on a motorcycle. 
and he was wearing this cutoff orange shirt. His arms were showing. He was wearing these orange sunglasses. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, he looks so good. But you know what? He probably is a tall, willowy blonde somewhere. And he would nev- never be interested in me. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You know, yeah, that's that's amazing. And I found out much later that he saw me and he thought, wow, you know, she's a really good looking brunette. I'd like to meet her. And then I happened to be walking my dog another day and we just we just met and it was absolutely magical. And he asked me on a first date and I had my dog with me, of course. And he said, hey, you know, my work is having a profit sharing banquet, profit sharing banquet of all things. And he said, would you like to go with me? And I said, well, yeah, sure. And he went to shake on it. And I was just going to give him a little hug instead. My dog heard another dog bark and she just ran around both of us. And I fell into Jeff's arms. And it's like, it was the most magical moment, Mark. Wow. Wow. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was love at first sight for sure. I think that dogs, uh, I mean, somebody said to me, you know, dogs, just think about it. Dog is God spelled backwards, right? So I think they have this magic mojo somehow. They just know when to push humans into the right place, don't they? They just know. Oh, they do. Yes. So so you guys got married and I know you had such an amazing, I've seen pictures of the ceremony. It was awesome. And I just want to tell our listening audience that I have rarely met a couple that was so shiny when I first met them, so in love. And, you know, I could tell you this about Jeff from a from a guy's perspective is, you know, Jeff had run down some miles in his life. You know what I mean? He had, he had been in the Navy and he, he was not by any means a dandy boy as far as he had been through a tough life. You know, he had really had it, but when he's around you, he became a soft guy kind, caring person. And let me tell you something, sister, you ran that household. You know what I'm saying? He loved you (laughs) and he listened to you in a way that a tough man who really falls in love only does, you know, and I saw that right away, right away. So, you know, I fast forward to us taking guitar lessons together, you know what I mean? And, and I remember one time you guys and moving to the part of where we're talking about, you know, what happened, you know, the event, I remember you, uh, you guys had gone on a cruise and then you had come back and Jeff was complaining about a hip thing. And I remember him looking at me and saying, man, you know what? I'm getting up there. I'm getting that hip thing. Got to have to go and get my hip looked at. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that, that happens a lot for dudes our age. And then I didn't see you guys for a couple of weeks. So why don't we pick it up there? Okay. Um, all right. So we went on a cruise and he was actually having some issues before the cruise, he was having several bouts of pneumonia. And when we were at your CD release party in 2018, he wasn't feeling really good then. And then we went on a cruise shortly after that. And uh, he was limping the entire time. He went to the chiropractor a couple times and the chiropractor really couldn't help him. Went for a couple chest x-rays. Then they finally found it with the last chest x-ray. They said, have lung cancer. Mm. And it was a whirlwind right after Mm. that, sent for test after test after test. And then we found out right away that it was stage four lung cancer. Mm. Of course, it had metastasized. It was in his lymph nodes, his liver, uh, and it had made it to his brain as well. Oh, boy. Yeah. And they said, we have to get you on chemo right away. So from diagnosis, let's see, it was June 23rd third when he had his official diagnosis of stage four lung cancer 
and they tried to get him on a chemo track right away. He went through chemo one time and then he just got very sick and he couldn't do another chemo. And Mark, it was just a whirlwind. Uh, He was in the hospital most of the time. Of course, the cancer had made it into his bones as well. And he fractured a bone. He had to go in and have it repaired. And he was in university hospitals for Cleveland for most of the time. And then on September 15th, he passed. I just remember going to see him, you you calling me up to see him. And I knew as I drove up there what we were what we were in for. You know, it's not my first rodeo, but I just remember thinking to myself when I was in that room that A, as you had told me later, Jeff really wasn't there anymore. As as we all know, it wasn't Jeff the Jeff we knew. But I just remember your courage and your strength and the amount of people that rallied around you to help you. And it was a real testimony to you as a human spirit, how many people just really wanted to love on you and help you as you went through this. So let's fast forward a little bit. You know, obviously we know that, you know, the universe took Jeff, that wonderful spirit, and there you were. And the topic of this podcast is grief. And I think you both know, you know that I I have experienced something couple episodes in my life that we've talked about a few times just recently and just coping with it and just how grief is just, you know, and if I could use expletives on this podcast, I would do it, but it is that, you know, I I just want to take a, just a a short break to talk just a really quick about, you know, what grief is, is labeled as. This is an article from World Psychiatry. And when I was doing some research, and it's a department of psychiatry from the University of California at San Diego. And there's some things in here that I think are are really important that, you know, we as lay people, we don't know what we're dealing with as with grief. We, we don't even know. But even more than that, what I thought was interesting about this copy is this is the lead paragraph. Unfortunately, this is quoting from the article, unfortunately, grief is not a topic of in-depth discussion at most medical schools or general medical or psychiatry residency training programs. Thus, myth and innuendo substitute for evidence-based wisdom when it comes to understanding and dealing with this universal, sometimes debilitating human experience. That is the lead paragraph in this article um, for grief and bereavement, what psychiatrists need to know. And I, and I, I read that and I thought to myself, if our medical professionals aren't taught how to deal with grief, how are we supposed to deal with it? You know, and I, I know there's, there's counseling and I know there's, there's faith-based practices and I know there's talk therapy, but as you and I have said, you know, it, it, Grief comes around and it's like a little, uh, it's a thief and it it steals your time when you're not even there. So tell our listeners a little bit as we move into this, tell a little bit about what it was like for you dealing with those early stages of grief. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, Mark, it was so painful Um, trying to figure out how to navigate life without Jeff. Well, first of all, society doesn't make it easy. (laughs) You know, there's just so many hoops, legal hoops that we have to jump through in order to get things done. Right. You got all the mechanics, right? Of the actual, holy, holy, you know what? What do we do now? 
legally? How do I proceed in the mechanics of getting on with it with my life, let alone the emotional aspect of it? Right. And Jeff, Jeff was a vet as well. So that added a whole other piece to it, too, that I never that I never anticipated. So just dealing with all of that and then dealing with the everyday little things. There was no energy. You wrote an excellent piece in your Sober Chronicles about coins in your pocket and energy and time. And I really had to figure out what I was going to invest my time in because I didn't have any energy left. I had no energy. I had been so focused on him for those months, those two months when he was seriously sick before he passed, that I didn't have really any time to figure anything out or you know, what was going to happen next. It was such a shock to the system. Right. And we also talked between you and I about, about um, how do we put this politely, some of the uh, um, vampires that come around when a woman or a person is in a difficult, maybe um, vulnerable position, you know what I mean? And it happens, it happens. People might think that there's something there that they can take advantage of. And uh, I know that I, I found that to be true just to get autobiographical for a second, to get off the path here for a second. When when my friend Michael Stanley passed, literally within a day, I had 100 to 70, 180 texts. I had Facebook messages. More, I, I still haven't been able to read them all. There must be hundreds there. Phone calls. And it was just overwhelming to me to say, I can't get to you all right now. I can't get to y'all. I need to take care of me right now. And then there was the people being a recovering alcoholic that said to me, well, you know, Mark Lee, if you feel like drinking, give me a call. And I thought, I don't even know who you are. You know what I mean? You, you don't get in here. You don't get in my life. So, I mean, you, you, you do circle the wagons, don't you, into that small group of people that you feel you can trust. Isn't that one of the first things you did? Exactly. I had to lean on the people that were near me and the people that, that loved on me and the people that loved on Jeff. And they became my core group. And honestly, I couldn't have made it through without them. I don't know how I would have navigated things. I remember some of what happened, but still that first year was a blur. But I was so blessed to have so many good people in my life that I was able to lean on. And counseling helped as well. So when Jeff passed on a Saturday that following Monday, uh, he was in hospice for less than 24 hours, maybe 18 hours. So Monday, that first thing, I knew I couldn't make it alone. I went to the hospice place, the bereavement center, and I met a beautiful counselor named Jody. And it was so intense. Uh, I met with her regularly and she really helped me through a whole lot of stuff. You know, I, I just want to take a, just a little side point here. One of the things that I did in my research is I, I, I didn't understand the terms and the differences between the terms bereavement, grief, and mourning. And I had to really kind of do some research on it. And what I found when we use those terms is bereavement deals with, most, most uh, researchers believe that the term bereavement deals with the fact of the lost, right? And then the term mourning has to do with the customs going forward, right? And grief, grief is the emotional response, the emotional response. You know, when we talk about grief, we're talking about what we felt. When we talk about mourning, we talk about what we did. You know what I mean? And bereavement is the fact of what, what, what was it? What happened? So um, I don't know if that helps at all, but, you know, I guess I, I get it. I had to throw that in. I'm, I'm sorry. So you went to get counseling. Bravo. 
Bravo. Talking to my counselor, and I was in counseling with her for, what was it, 16 months. And she helped me through so much. She gave me material to read, resources. American culture does not really allow us, as you said, to talk about grief and to talk about what I was going through firsthand and to try to establish some new customs and traditions. That really helped too. In in the old Bible, if anyone who is familiar with the Christian Bible, they have the gnashing of the teeth, the tearing of the clothing, putting ashes in the head or something like that. We really don't allow for any outward signs of grief in American culture. And that that hurts because you want people to know that you're hurting. You need that special permission to say, hey, you know what? I'm in pain and I'm going to reflect that pain. So if you see me in a store someplace, you know, it's it's okay to approach me uh, and be very gentle and kind with me. Whereas American culture doesn't have anything like that. The only thing that I really did was I cut my hair super short. I practically shaved my head, if you remember that. I do. I do remember you needed a yeah. big change. But you know what? I think that part of that is is our way of adapting to becoming that person. Um, one thing that was spoken to me about loss is that it's helpful in looking back on that is to consider it a chapter of your life, right? You're reading a book. Now you can go back and read that chapter over and over again, but you can't live it again. And it's best to look at it as like a chapter closed. The hard part for me was starting the new chapter, right? What is it? What am I going to do? What's that going to look like? What do I want it to be? How do I write it? You know, all that stuff came. So when you were looking forward, when you were finally able to get to the place where you were able to sort of get past what they call the complicated grief, okay? And this article also talks about different stages of grief. And one of them is is the, the complicated grief, you know, where they believe, you know, you're dealing with all the depths of the emotions that you're going with, the maladaptive behaviors, the preoccupation, you know, all those things. When you're able to get past that and you're able to look forward, do you remember when that moment was for you? I mean, not to move too quickly with your story, but do you remember when you could finally open the windows emotionally and breathe in the air? Do you remember when that was? I can't say that it was a any given time or how long it was. It was gradual. Mm. And sometimes I would be able to open the windows and let things in. And other times I would just have to close the windows up again because there would be a relapse of grief. Right. Uh, so right. It, was, it was really a cycle. And I'm almost three years out now. And... Mm. I think right now I'm in a, I'm in a really good place. Jeff's death, even though it was after he retired from the service, it was to a degree service related as well. So this is a hard holiday coming up on me and I can feel drain in it. But yeah, and, and I had to grow tentacles back again. Uh, and I, I think about grief as being like tentacles. Like I have tentacles, Jeff had tentacles and we just over we just intertwined each other and growing that back and figuring out who I am, figuring out my own identity without him. That's been hard, but with the, with the friends and stuff and with coworkers, I've been able to largely figure that out. And as you know, I put the guitar down last year because I was trying to figure out, was that Jeff or was that me? And then I finally figured out, you know what? This is me, this is my identity. So I picked it up again and I'm playing on a worship team at my church and I absolutely love it and it's it's such a beautiful instrument 
that's a killer segue into moving into the place of, okay, the question I like to ask my guests is, you know, we almost everyone that's been on this podcast has been through some sort of event in their life, whether it's recovery from, you know, alcohol, drugs, trauma, mental health disabilities, you know, yours obviously is the enormous trauma of grief. Where are you now? What's happening? I mean, you you volunteered to be on a podcast to talk about your experience, which is very brave. People don't really realize how brave that is to really just put yourself out there and say, I'm willing to, to expose myself and talk about my feelings, you know, which of course in Western culture is always so difficult. But where are things for you now? We've come through COVID. Lots of we before we even started this, we talked about all the adaptive behavior we had to learn as teachers and as as people. Where are you, Terry, right now? You know, Mark, I am in a really good place. I feel good about my life. I miss Jeff, and I will probably always miss him, and he'll always be an important part of my life. But I've started a new volume, not a new chapter, but a new volume, and I'm looking forward to you know, just moving ahead with my life and investigating more of what do I like? What does what does Terry like? How can I contribute to the world? How can I help people that are going through the grief process? And I think as an American society, we all need to talk about it. We're not taught about grief. We're taught to hold those emotions in. And I want to be one of those people that speaks out about it. And I want to lead others in talking about their grief too. And I think it's important that we just say, hey, you know what? This is what it is. This is what we're going through. And we need to have our voices heard out there. That's a lot to unpack right there because I heard you say that you're willing to do, of course, as you know, uh, I'm a 12-step guy. I mean, recovery from alcohol and drugs. And, you know, one of the major achievements, I feel, is if you work through these 12 suggestions uh, in this program, is you finally get to the last step, which is, you know, having had this experience of going through what you go through. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, to out of respect for the program. You try to help others with it. And what I heard you say is that you're actively pursuing that avenue. You see it as a light. So you become a lantern holder. You know what I mean? And that that's what qualifies you for this podcast because that's what this podcast is all about, Terry. People like you who decide that they're going to be lighthouses and lantern holders to say, you can get through these things. You can get through them. So as we wrap up here, I want to just thank you for, for being a part of this. And You know, if there was one thing that you would say to someone, if you were able to sit in front of them to tell them about your experience, if you could say, sit in front of them, that's someone that's experienced what you're experiencing, what would you say would be the things that you could give them that would be the most meaningful? I know that's a tough question because I I don't know if I could answer it, but if you could summarize one of the things that you felt that is the most important of going through your experience, what would that be? Talk about it. You know, get someone good and just talk about it. Uh, Don't be afraid to talk about your loved one, what you went through, what your experiences were. There's a lot of guilt when you go through grief. Oh, I coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, if I had more time. You've got to let that go because you don't want to drown yourself in guilt. And 
you know, just talk about it, find resources that are out there, go through the counseling, do the work, lean into the grief because you want to come out on the other side being a healthy individual and you want to be healthy for those around you as well. And you don't know what the future holds, what other kind of relationships are out there. And you don't want to debt collect on anyone else in the future. So you want to come out of this a whole person knowing who you are and being able to help others through the process. Well, thank you so much for your willingness to be here on this podcast to share those thoughts. And I appreciate your asking me, Mark. Certainly you can support this podcast by downloading and subscribing and liking and sharing and doing all those things that we do on these types of events. Uh, you can find us at recoverytalks.org. And if you hear some background noise, better, that's Martin the dog. He's shuffling around because he's like, dad, what are you doing? Doing on that microphone again thing. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging with us for this edition of Recovery Talks. Please stay tuned for more episodes with more guests as they share their journey from the darkness to the light. And until then, everybody, please stay standing and steady on. <laughs>